Welcome to Nancy's Nightmare. <laughs> it's me. No, not really. I was going to call this Welcome to the Nightmare or Welcome to My Nightmare, but it's really everybody's nightmare. And we all have to deal with this, being human and all that. But some of us humans, uh, we deal with this better than others. And if you don't deal with this properly, the results can be, well, terrifying. Fatal, really. You know my wife, Nancy. We're married 42 years coming up. And so that's the nightmare, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, marriage has, been, marriage has been good. But I'd like to tell you about something that happened to her last week. And it's to make a point. It's very important. So please listen. It's life and death, really, for many of us, for all of us. And this just happened last week. Nancy was presented with a little, a little challenge. Now, you'll identify with this, so please li listen to this. It was a situation with her work where she had disagreed with someone's actions. Somebody was doing something that she didn't like. Or it's something that happens everywhere, right? It's something that she had perceived to be an injustice. And it's par for the course in any work environment, anytime you're dealing with people. But it kept cropping up in her mind. It, it kept repeating itself. It kept tempting her to become upset. Actually, it did upset her. It just wouldn't go away. And then as she continued to be confronted with that, the struggle in her head, she just, she couldn't, she wasn't quite meeting it properly and it was overtaking her. And she felt it. It was, it did knock her down for the count, but it was one of those nagging, haunting events that just would not stop, just kept playing over and over again in her head. And it got a hold of her. And so she tried to get a hold of me. <laughs> but she wasn't able to reach me. I, she couldn't get me on the phone anyway. I had my notifications off. I was working. So she did the next best thing. She called another man. <laughs> another man of the family. Our son, Danny. Danny Jr. And she described to him what it was she was going through. I can see it, she said. I can feel it. But what was it? What was she talking about? You all know this. It was a gnawing ball of resentment energy. It was surging inside of her. A disgusting thing that excited and was charged up like an electric force to judge others, to play God. And it stirred. It was beginning to rise inside of her. And this comes in thoughts over and over and over again. It looks to nourish itself, to judge Nancy's offenders, to send them to hell for their crimes, for, well, crimes against her. And if you've ever been upset with anyone for anything, this is what has been going on inside you too. This is not science fiction. It's very real. And she didn't like the feeling, of course. But some people, and this may have happened to you too. It still may happen to you. It could be that you bask in this judgment, that you don't dislike it, that you love it. You love the power. You love the judgment. You love the superiority. And if that is you, God help you. But many people... Most people, if you have the spark of awareness, if you have conscience, you feel conflicted when this happens. You don't like it so much. And Nancy didn't like it. But it upset her enough to ask for help. And that's what any husband is supposed to be, a guiding, helpful person that she could, well, she couldn't reach me. <laughs> so she called out to our son. Now listen to what he said. This is important. He put it to her this way. As long as you can see it, you're okay. Bingo. 
She saw it. He reminded her of that truth, and she immediately was put at ease, because she did see it. It's that simple. Just seeing it is enough. I love my boy. He's, he's 100% correct. He's no mama's boy, that's for sure. He told her the truth. He doesn't rely on her for emotional support. But if she's in need, she can call on him. He can help her with the truth. And that's the role of any man, of any husband, of any father, any brother. I guess I fell down on the job for just with my absence for a few hours with my phone turned off. But, you know, there are times when everyone gets distracted by life. We fall into an unconscious state. We get pulled into thoughts, whatever it is. You could be driving along on the road somewhere. You could be lost in a book. You could be lost in a movie. You need to step back and watch. You need to look at things differently from a state of objectivity. But there comes a time when you, you fail to see the temptation. And you can become upset as it rolls over you. It overwhelms you. It causes you to worry, to judge, to anger at other people. For what? For their errors. You become upset with the inconveniences that other people cause. Somebody cuts you off on the road or just makes a snide remark or takes offense at something you say, stole your lunch, whatever it is, whatever. They're trespasses against us, as it were. And these come to mind. Something places them into thinking. Little vignettes, little scenarios, little scenes in the head. It's fiction. Mostly make-believe. What ifs? They could be ours too, but whichever. Unless we're aware, unless we're awake, unless we're objective enough to see these energies that are contained in the thoughts, that project out of the dark into us, then they will roll over us and they'll get inside and they'll destroy you. You cannot survive that kind of life, playing God. It doesn't work. Well, it works. It does work. But it works for the wrong employer. That's who you're working for, if you know what I mean. So that's why I say, welcome to the nightmare, to the curse of humanity. We're all in it. But you can take heart too. Because as my son reminded my wife, as long as you can see your reactions to these events, you are surviving it. You become a survivor. Most of us are survivors. I don't know if most of us are going to survive, but we are survivors for now. I am. I'm a survivor. And it's better to see these things coming ahead before they overtake you, before they get inside you. Then you watch. You watch the miracle of salvation, that that dark force of resentment runs into a brick wall. That's your consciousness. That's your protection. Then hate, anger, resentment, fear, they all just sheet off of you like rain on a squeaky clean windshield. <laughs> and you're immune. You become immune to the germ, to the infection of the spiritual disease of hate. It doesn't get you. You stay well. Spiritually healthy, spiritual wellness, there is such a thing. If there is spiritual sickness and spiritual disease, why can't there also be spiritual wellness? Well, there is, because you cease to react. You simply step back. Even in those times when you get caught unaware, you step back and you see your sin. The protection immediately comes. You are saved in that moment. 
Physically, you'll be a little worse for the wear, but at least for now, you're spiritually safe. You're shielded from the effects of that negative emotional energy. You can go forward with dignity, with confidence, with courage. So, my son was absolutely correct. 100%. If you can see it, you are saved from it. And that's all you need to do. Just see it. And that's my point today. There's no need for struggle. Watching, observing, that is your shield. That is where your protection comes from. Because once you get caught up with a struggle, you lose spiritual ground immediately. You're vulnerable. The problem can swallow you up and it results in a miserable, unhappy thinking that leads to anxiety, depression, physical illness, all for the wear and tear on your body, on your nervous system, on your immune system. Where do you think disease and mental illnesses come from? Thin air? Genetics? No, it's emotional. And your emotions do you in, improper reaction to pressures, to stress. It's all out there. And it serves a purpose. So my usual advice, you know, it's often people take it to mean, don't resent it, don't resent it. And of course you shouldn't resent it, of course not. But there's something immediately preceding that so that you don't resent it. And that is to watch. You can't just not resent. That would be suppressing. If you watch, you'll see ahead. And then the resentment will just fall off of you. You watch so that you see, you observe the emotion while it's still just a temptation before it gets inside of you. So I was thinking that with Danny's help, that I would maybe take a little, you know, today's Father's Day that we're, that we're recording this. And um, I was thinking maybe with Danny's help that I could take a little time off from my family and uh, leave everything to him. He did so well <laughs> last week. Maybe I can go off to some deserted island, maybe go spend some time in a monastery or live in a cave on a mountaintop sometime and disengage myself from life, right? Sit at the foot of a bearded holy man and gather advice from him and wisdom that I can take back to other people. <laughs> I don't think so. Listen, we experience and we live and we love in the stream of life. That's where we get our wisdom from. That's where it enters us. That's where true growth comes. That's how it's meant for all of us. And, you know, that's an interesting story that I just told you. It's really important. And I hope I've made the point. If you've been waking up, maybe meditating using my non-contemplative meditation technique, then, you know, this is something that's likely to be near and dear to you. And, uh, Danny is here as usual. He's here most times when, when we do these, when I do my little monologue. And I invite him to perhaps expound upon what happened to your mother that day, if you wish. Or did I leave anything out of that story? Anything important that you wanted to add to it? You don't have to, but did I leave anything out of that story? Anything First, important? I will say that if you are going to go to a monastery, yes. go to a temple, I will personally shave your head for you before you leave. Oh, thank you. Now, wait a minute. I did go to a monastery couple of weeks ago remember a catholic one yes that was a catholic monastery <laughs> actually i went to uh i spent some time with the uh monk with not the monks the uh they're not monks they're uh, friars oh yeah they're monks right are they i don't know hmm. what order are they are they franciscan they're franciscans and they're friars yeah they're friars and uh franciscan it was, monks franciscan. it wasn't for me I, yeah. I went to help somebody else there but 
spent a couple of days there. But th but anyway, that's besides. You, you did point. not spend a couple of days in deep uh, contemplation and prayer in the temple. No, I did not. <laughs> I met some. They're very. You know, I like some of those friars. They were. Yeah, re yeah I really like. Were them. they young? Um, one was very young. I mean, very young. He was probably in his thirties. Were they effeminate? Oh no, not not these guys. Not, I, not, not some, some priests that I see are so effeminate. Catholic priests. Are, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I know. No, some no, are no. not. I, I know a few strong ones too. Right. But some are so effeminate. Oh no, I've met some like, strong you, priests. You're a, you're a patriarchal figure. Boy. No, they're not. In fact, there was one fellow, very nice fellow. I wouldn't say he was feminine, but he was kind of, it was a little, he was frail, but he was like 90 years old, 96, <laughs> I think he was, or something like that. And at least 90. And he had, uh, he hobbled around, but he was in good spirits and he talked and we had lunch and dinner yeah. and it was really cool. Yeah. No, most of them, most of them are old. I, from what, what it was explained to me is that they're having problems getting people to become recruiting, recruiting. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, so they're getting incels, I guess. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> no, no, not necessarily, I no, but I, I feel like a little bit. I didn't get that impression. Although you're not, maybe not them. But no, I'm no. noticing a lot of priests tend to be, uh, yeah, a, a, a little weird. Um, a lot, not all, because no, we, we do know. Like some, I said, I know, I know some good ones. Yes, but we do. I think there are some that might be going to it for the wrong reason, anyway. Could but be. we're not even Catholic, so Catholic in heritage. Correct. Right. We're not practicing. Catholics. No, no. I was born into the Catholic Church. Okay. Um, all right. So, what is it? Was there anything in my story that you wanted to? Yeah. Comment um, on. What actually happened was that my mother called me and she she actually did have a an injustice, something wrong. And she told me, she admitted to me that she was angry about it, but she would be okay. That's what she said. Well, that's the first like thing. That. Yeah, I noticed that. And she I said, well, if you see the anger, you should already be okay because that's all you're supposed to do. Correct. And she was like, oh, yeah. she was like. Yeah. I was like, so are you okay? She went, yeah, I am okay. <laughs> okay. And she sounded much better. Yeah. It's funny when, when you help someone that way, when you do something, you, you can watch it just roll right off them. You can watch the, if you're in person, you did that over the phone, I think with her, right? It was. Yeah. I was in the stop and shop parking lot. <laughs> Were you? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's funny when you say the right thing to a person when they need to hear it at that moment, Yeah, you can watch it just go right off their face. You could watch the pain. You could watch the infection just fall off their face. Right. That happens with your mom a lot with me when I'm talking to her. When she's in stress and I'll just say something and just, you could see it just go away. Yeah. Because, and it's not, there you, aren't any magic words, but there's a realization that they were trying too hard, that they were still stuck in their thoughts, in their emotions. I won't call it magic words in the, in a, you know, like we would talk, like casting a spell kind of magic. Right. But there's- the word magic doesn't bother me. What I'm saying is- It's a spiritual magic. It is a, it is a, it's a grace. It's a blessing. And it does, there is power in words and truth but, but can heal people. What I'm saying is you're not doing something to them. No. Something it's not is like you said something and they changed. Something you, comes through you and through your words in that moment. They're the ones that have to be receptive to that in order to receive the grace. You so. have to, yes, you have to be willing to know the truth. Yes. Yeah. Otherwise- it, It's just the truth is what it is. It's that's not, all it is. It's not a spell. It's not, no. it's not magic. So, and sometimes you just forget the truth. And when you remember it, it's much easier. I recall many times um, 
over the years. As you get older, it gets less and less, but especially when you were young, but when you were away at school too, I remember the many, many times that I had to do that with you. Um, not so much when you worked in the White House for some reason, which was more recent. Interned in the White House, yes. Interned in the White House. <laughs> but before, prior to that, prior to getting out of school, yeah. um, there was a lot of stress there. There was no stress in the White House, by the way. Oh, there was there was stress, not particularly on me personally, but I saw a lot of stress. Yeah. Yeah. I think the president was stressed at that time, was he? <laughs> Trump. Yeah. Um, well, you know, he, he when he contracted COVID, right. everybody freaked out. I know. So I know. That was crazy. And then the election. I was there for the election, which was also a freak out. Yeah, that was so, a little stressful too. Yeah. That was stressful for me because uh, like I said, you when you witness injustice, it's a temptation to resent. Yeah, I was going to say, what election? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Did you have anything else to say on that? No, I just wanted to say that, you know, we all uh, mentioning that and the times that you were under stress and, and you needed those, you don't want to use the word magic, okay, but you needed those magical words <laughs> that... That helped. That's, oh, yeah, you have your little aha experience. That's right. That's what I'm doing. You just have to look. You just have to watch. You just have to see. You can't roll up your sleeves and try to fix yourself. You can't. You can't. And we all have these same challenges that come. And a lot of people think that we have to meet these challenges by challenging it back. And that's not how to meet challenge. You meet challenge because challenge is temptation. And that's a willfulness. And it doesn't mean you become passive. It doesn't mean you become, you know, a wuss. You do what you need to do, but you do. Right. It in the, but you know what to do in the moment if you don't struggle and if you don't, if you just step back and watch. Step back and watch the stress of it as it tries to get to you, and then it doesn't. I don't like the word magic. I'll say it, it's it's really a reminder of yeah. the truth from somebody who remembers it. Okay, for themselves. Oh right, yeah, that's good. Okay, put it. sure. Sounds a little less. Uh, yeah, I, I I don't use it witchcrafty. That much. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to use that because I don't like witchcraft. No. <laughs> I also wanted to bring up something that occurred to me the other day, uh, which which I briefly mentioned to you, and that's the difference between conscience and in intuition. The di okay. <clears throat> if there's a difference, mm -hmm. and when we talk about conscience, we're usually talking about. When I brought it up to you, you said, well, conscience usually has to do with guilt. And when you do something against your conscience, you feel guilty afterward. Sure. And intuition we think of as a an understanding, a, a, a wordless understanding mm -hmm. that, that does not require uh, man-made logic. Right. right. And what I believe is I think that they're related, if not the same thing, because one is just a, a scaled down version of the other because what it all comes down to is something that you say, which is that when we're living in the present, we know what the right thing to do is. I think that was one of your last podcast, if not the immediate last one. It might be all of them. <laughs> no, but you had one, you had one where the subject was, uh, it was like how to do, how to never do anything wrong or, or, or how to always be right or something like that. Oh, I think I remember that, yeah. And the truth is, and you said even when you make a left turn, and it's the wrong turn, it'll end up being the right turn, right. something like That's that. Right. If you're if you do it in it from an aware, conscious right. position. And I so I believe, and that's true. And we call something like that intuition. You know, I knew sure. you know, even okay, maybe not a, a literal mistaken turn. You wouldn't say I knew to turn, but 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 something like 
I'm not going to take that road today. Not a good, and you just turn and you go and you take another route right. and it ended up being the right route. That's your intuition, but it's that same, it's that same guide that tells you right from wrong with, with, with actual moral things too. Yeah. You know, it's funny. You can get into the weeds on, you know, the rhetorical differences of these words. Yeah. And I necessarily do because I write about them all the time. We speak English. <laughs> but also, yeah, yeah. But also when I'm writing, I have to be careful. So- and speak, you're absolutely correct. But when we speak about conscience, we're usually talking about almost like a condemnation. My conscience, my conscience is clear or yes. my conscience is bothering me. Sure. Right. Intuition is, you, you use the word understanding and that's true. Intuition comes as understanding. It comes as, it's more, it always seems to be, when writing, it's o it always seems to go into the more positive things and the conscience seems to go into more to the negative things. It just seems to go that way. But your conscience... Because with your conscience, there's... We usually speak about conscience in the context of there being something morally wrong or as, right. an, as an option. Right. Right? Yeah. Which intuition, it might just be right or left. Correct. Yeah, that's true. Well, intuition... Well, in politics, right. there might be a wrong there. But when turning, <laughs> there, you know, <laughs> oh, either on. option is... That was a, not a good joke. No, come on. It was okay. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, correct. Right. Yeah. Turning left is always going to be wrong and turning right is always going to be. Okay. <laughs> no, not always, but okay. Well, that's true. You can go, you go way too far, right? There's just the truth. It's good to bring it. It's good to bring up the point, but when you want to find the something conflicting with intuition, it would be instinct. Instinctual would be knowing what the next best thing for you to do as an animal, animalistically speaking. Okay. So that would be instinct. That would be eating and procreating and you know, that sort of thing. Whereas intuition is more understanding and it's wordless, right? Yes. So your conscience is your discipline. It's your disciplinary part that's also unspoken. Right. Right. But then you always transfer it into words and then it easily goes into intellect and then you wind up arguing with yourself. So you can actually wind up arguing with your conscience. You can't argue with intuition. Okay. Because it's nonverbal. Okay. Yeah. I guess. I think they're really the same thing. That's what I think. <laughs> well, they are, and they certainly do come together, don't they? But um, when, I, when I'm speaking about, they are the same. But when I'm, you are correct when I have to write about them for yeah. people's understanding, I sort of separate the two. Right. But when you are conscious, yes. your conscience becomes operative. When you're unconscious, your conscience becomes dysfunctional. And then your intuition is shut off. Okay. Okay. Sure. Okay. The problem is people mistake a conscience for, or they mistake their emotions for a conscience and they end up thinking that they're successfully deliberating between right and wrong when they're just seeing which, which emotional energy is more powerful in that moment. Right. You know, which pressure is, is, is going to make them cave first, you know? Right. Or, or like what you mentioned yesterday, uh, something came up where we had a you said well don't make a benjamin franklin list <laughs> yeah don't list the pros and cons and see which one no there, there's going to be a right decision it, right uh the you, ben franklin close we used to call it yeah yeah you make a list of the pros and cons and then let's see you make a t you make a t right mm -hmm. and then you put all the pros on one side and all the cons on the other side and if the pros are for this are, are longer, right? Are longer, then that's what you go with. Right. Then and that must be the right decision. That must be the right decision. And if the cons are longer, don't do it. Yeah. But what if your conscience 
is inoperative. It's not functional. You're you're going to you're going to bias yourself in, in yeah, favor of the Yeah, that's utilitarian. Should I kill this man? Well, I will no longer have to pay my debt. He right. would no longer be a burden to society. Oh, I mean, you could you could almost justify anything. Oh. When, when when do the pros end? I mean, Listen, okay, now what what topic does that apply to? Murder? I don't know. Abortion? Oh. Yeah, I guess. Right? You could sure. do the same thing with abortion. You can make a list of all the, all the pros for That's abortion. That's what they do. Everything from the economy to, you know, everything. That's Social how they want to argue it, too. That's how they argue it's it. It's crazy. It's like, it, it, it's like, don't they understand that to somebody who's pro-life, mm -hmm. it is murder. Right. Full stop. That's the end of the argument. That's it. That's all you There's have to say. There's nothing else to say. It's not like... Oh, I mean, you might as well be saying, should I kill you and steal your property? It's right. like, well, you can list all the good things that could happen right. to you as a result of you killing me. No, it's murder. Like I, that that ended the argument. I could take your property and invest it wisely and take all the proceeds from that and open up a uh, a medical clinic to, for poor people who can't afford medical services. Well, th your murder would go to good then. I think you should be murdered. Yeah, it's utilitarian. It's not right. And when you tell somebody that who is pro-abortion, they have a very hard time dealing with it. Right. In fact, they, they don't want to know that your main gripe with it is that it's murder. If you say that, they flip out. Yeah. They don't want to hear that word. Right. Which means they don't want to, they don't want to face the people who, who think they're in the wrong. No, they don't. And they, they really don't. And they have, you know, they have intellectual arguments, but- they really don't win when it's murder. And the people who have... Okay, I think yeah, that applies to any situation. <laughs> well, no, I mean... You, you have know, good intellectual arguments, but you really don't win when it's murder. Well, uh, you know, at war, we do kill the enemy. And we don't call that murder, though. It's not murder. Right. So this is not an enemy. To a wrong person, a fetus is an enemy. Yeah. is an en enemy to their comforts. It's an enemy to their pocketbooks it's an enemy to society to many people too expensive we can't afford it and they come up with all sorts of reasons oh this child will not be loved and therefore right. you know how how dare you tell a woman that she's not going to love her baby and that baby is going to be psychologically disturbed and a burden on society why would you maybe it's true but that's not for you to decide and maybe it's not true the weirdest argument is the adoption thing where they say Oh, the, the kid's going to have a bad life. Even if, if he goes into adoption, he'll he'll have a terrible life. Right. So you should kill him? I just, I don't understand why they, why they never, they're totally blindsided by the, by the absolutism of murder is wrong. Right. They're like, they don't get it. And, and that's very strange to me. It's very dangerous too, if you ask me. But well, anyway. You, well, you know, uh, Steve Jobs was adopted. Suppose his mother had an, had an abortion instead of putting him up for adoption. But now- We have no iPhones. But now you're just making the same arguments as them. You're, you're creating utilitarian arguments. So we must save Steve Jobs. Yeah, but the kids, but there are plenty of kids who won't do that. So we, we should kill them. It's, it doesn't work. The no. truth is, it's just, it's murder is murder. And that's no if, good. If, you, if your conscience is operative, you can see that it is. You don't have to belong to a religion. You don't have to belong to a- yeah. A group, a pro-life. You know, I don't call myself a pro-life person. There are too many crazy pro-life people out there. <laughs> they, I give you hear some of the things they're saying? Forget it. They're usually, you know, religious and stuff like that. Too. Well, there are the ones that I remember when I was in school, uh, occasionally this group or, or usually it's just like one guy would show up with these, these signs like, you know, 
college women are going to hell and so, right. like, like these these almost like what do they call it west westboro westboro baptist church type oh yeah sure signs and 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 quoting scriptures but being very flagrantly in your face like you're going to hell this was on the princeton campus yeah yeah it would happen occasionally and nobody would freak out too much at them but people would try and debate them and and honestly they always came across as smarter than the people than the kids they were debating in college you know mm. the college kids not that they're right because uh i don't think that's the right way to approach situations even when the people you're talking to are wrong you don't just hold up a sign and say you're going to hell um <laughs> no they... so but but anyway okay anything else i'm just going to mention it happened it just happened yesterday you're aware of it already champ died america's mascot oh uh uh, Biden's dog. Yes. Biden. Oh, that poor thing. Biden's that, that mangy shelter dog. Oh, is he from a shelter? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. It's a shelter dog. Yeah, that dog didn't look right. He had no. He. Looked I love wrong. dogs. I've had a lot of dogs in my life. He, that, he looked in bad shape. Yeah. And the weird thing is, is that they owned him for like, they owned him for for a pretty long time. I think mm -hmm. for years. I right. think. And I think he was thirteen. Right. And it didn't look like the Bidens cared for him very very well i want to tell you one thing I, that I, I noticed i didn't see any rehabilitation in, in that poor shelter dog i want to tell you one thing that i noticed about that dog and i'm not blaming the bidens for this because you don't know how it happened but i've had dogs and uh and i've trained them and i know quite a bit about raising dogs and there was one thing that i saw i think it was on the it was on the it was on a north lawn and the dog was out there. Champ is his name? Champ. Champ was out there. And Jill Biden raised her hand to do something. I don't know if it was to pet him or just raise a hand suddenly. And the dog winced. The dog ducked. Mm. That tells me that dog has been hit. Right. Now, I'm not it's, it's they got the dog from a shelter? Yes, I yeah, believe so. so. That, that could have been prior conditioning. Okay. But yeah. that dog was afraid of being hit. And it, it jerked. Right. Right. Back. It was a reaction. So I don't know if Jill Biden is a dog hitter or if it's just a, but that, that, that was, pet, a, that, that dog was absolutely mistreated at some point in his life. I'm not blaming the Bidens for it. Right. And therefore what I'm saying is, unfortunately, I never saw any rehabilitation. I still see a damaged animal. I don't see an animal that's now been taken up by loving owners who, who are going to yeah, yeah. There was no, it. there was no, yeah, there was no great environment. And for and them. we we actually I have we have firsthand experience with uh, a rehabilitated dog too because Patty, my grandparents' dog, mm -hmm. uh, had been mistreated by their previous by her previous owner. Right. And there were still remnants of that. Oh yeah. In Patty. Yeah, a lot of fear. A lot of fear. A yeah. lot of fear that would dog occasionally fear. come out. Just instinctual, right? That's instinctual. That's instinctual fear. And yeah. occasionally come out and and do something sporadic, and we're like, oh, you know, that's Patty. But but she was treated well by my grandparents, and you could see the times that she was she was okay and she was better. Mm -hmm. And I just never saw that with Champ. And we know that Champ uh, bit bit a Secret Service member, something like that, got sent away off back to Delaware. Yeah, got, had to leave the White House. Right. I think it was put down. I think Champ could have been put down. Yeah. yeah. Or as we say, or as I always said growing up, destroyed. Well, destroyed. <laughs> yeah. We had the dog destroyed. Right. And we're talking about mistreatment. We're saying we don't know if the Bidens mistreated that dog. Well, there's a story about when Joe Biden broke his leg, broke his ankle, broke his leg, something like that. They didn't right? have him destroyed. 
<laughs> I don't, I think he's a little, okay, anyway. It, it, there's the story of Joe Biden breaking his ankle, right? Right. Or his, his foot, his leg, something like yeah, that. Yeah, he was pulling the dog's tail in the and shower his, or something. his story is, <laughs> I don't think he was in the shower. Uh, his, he was, his he, story, was, he was stumbling out of the shower. No, let me tell the story, will you? Go ahead. His story is that he was, he was trying to pull the dog's tail. Right. And he tripped and fell. Yeah. Something like that. And you hear that and you think, okay, here's a man telling us telling us how it happened, trying to make it sound, oh, he's just this loving guy playing with his dog. He was pulling the dog's tail? Yeah. That is not something you ever do to an animal. Everybody knows you don't do that. I know. So, is that a lie or is he actually mistreating that animal? Well, the dog, the dog looks mistreated. So, I don't know. Anyway- Rest in peace, champ. He's I always dead. thought it was. I always thought it was a made-up story. Anyway. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Everything's phony. They can't even have a presidential pet and make it look real. I know. All right. Yeah, that's anyway. true. Yeah. Are you going to bring updates in the future on on the app to these uh, podcasts? Uh, for yeah. those of you who Maybe haven't heard, there's there's an app that's coming out. It's going to be based on my father's work. It's going to be helpful to a lot of people. It's going to be something you can use all the time. Right. And I don't have an update right now. I will say what I already said last week or the week before, and that's there will be a, a uh, an early access, a beta at some point in the future, and I'll need people's help, but I'm not there yet, and we'll be there soon. Okay, and we'll announce where they can go. They can go on the website and sign up for it, I guess. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll work that out. Okay. I will say if you want updates and you want them as soon as possible, if you, if you want to be in the know, you got to join the email list. So go to the website, schwarzhoffmedia.com. There's the email list on there. Just right. join. Yes. Put, put your email in. Right. And and my dad sends emails out too with uh, with exclusive content. and It's exclusive content and it's also content that it comes out before it's accessible to the public. Yeah, sometimes. Yeah. So. Okay. Anyway, that's I think that's it for today. Okay, so that'll be it for today. Join us again next time and thank you very much for listening. Goodbye. <laughs>